0: Well, good morning, everyone. Special uh, welcome to the grades one to sixes. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Hopefully we don't disappoint you. Uh, I know that uh, you're kind of wondering, oh boy, I'm in the big room with the big people. What happens? I think it's good for our grades one to sixes to join us and uh, be part of these celebration type services so they can... uh, see and know what's going on uh, in this room, and we do that every, uh, every long weekend. So we're in a series uh, on the book of James. Uh, we call it Big Faith. Pretty simple title uh, to, uh, to, to understand, simple words, uh, a challenge to live out. Very practical book, the book of James, that uh, has lots of, of very practical steps for us to, to be looking into. We have already in this series talked about trusting God in the midst of trials, and uh, just how big God is, and he, that he can overcome whatever trials and challenges that, uh, that we're dealing with. We've talked about obeying God by caring for the vulnerable. We've talked about not being judgmental, and the, da- the dangers that come when you, when you characterize someone with one story, and that's just the single lens that you see them through. Today we're going to look specifically at how uh, faith needs to be lived out by our actions. We saw this uh, this morning in the, in the first service, and you're going to see it happen here, of uh, people taking a step of faith. So what happens is the people are getting baptized. Uh, this morning it was, it, we had uh, two families up here. Uh, those families could have stayed home and had waffles this morning. But instead, they, they ended up coming up here, and I, I picked on uh, Steve Penner. So, so Steve was the, the dad in and the, and the family, and he, and he ended up, he, he, could have, he could have stayed home. He could have believed that he is going to raise his family in a, in a Christ-centered home. And he could have stayed home and had waffles. Wouldn't have changed anything. But he ended up, him and Janelle took this step of faith, and said, no, we want to make that commitment public. We're going to get up. We're going to have to get our kids. We're going to try and tidy them up. We're going to get them breakfast. We're going to get here for the first service. They're really committed. No offense. <laughs> Comes to the first service, and we're going to get up on the stage. I mean, the kids were running like, all around here, guitars, all this kind of stuff. Like, we're going to go through all that to take a step of faith, because we believe that making a public commitment to, to commit our family to, to raise and be a Jesus-following family is a, is a significant thing. So they, they took that step. There's something about not just believing, but actually doing something about it. And that's what this, this text is about. Uh, kids, you guys all have, have your toys, your electronics. Um, I have in my hand here uh, a battery. Now this battery contains a lot of, of of power. It could it could like power a game, a toy, a, a electronic, whatever it is. Like, it could it could really do that. And and I believe that this battery actually believes if it could talk, it'd be like, yeah, I could do that. But it doesn't really count. It's just a battery until you put it in something, and the game, the electronic, the toy turns on, and you can play with it. You can do something with it. Otherwise, it's just it's it's faith. It's just. It's faith. It's powerful. It's important. You need it. But James would argue that it has to be lived out. It has to be put into the electronic, so the toy actually turns on. You can do something with it. So with that is kind of the context that's that's spinning in your head. Hopefully, I want to read this text so that you can hear uh, James's even harsher language, more pointed language than what I'm using, uh, to help illustrate this to his congregations that are are spread out. That hey, you know what? It's not just a, a, a belief. It's not just something that's in your head. It's not just a cognitive thing. That, oh, yeah, I believe. It, you got to do something about it. Here it is. This is James chapter 2, uh, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a safe, Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? (coughs) In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, Well, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that your faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on that altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled, that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what when she lodging to the spies? And sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So, James ends up by giving a couple of examples. You're going to get some examples this morning of people living out their faith and modeling it. He, James provides two the first is Abraham. Abraham believed in God. God had told Abraham that he was going to be the head of a massive family, a nation, having as many people as the stars in the sky. There's one problem. Abraham and his wife were getting on in years, and they did not have children. God provided Kind of like kids, it's kind of like great-grandma having a baby. Don't picture that one too long. But that's what happened at that age. They have a child named Isaac. Isaac ended up being their son, but there was the need for a sacrifice. and God told Abraham... To go and sacrifice his son. And so Abraham goes. And he finds this place. And he lays his son. His only son. On the altar. And he's about to sacrifice him. And God says whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, stop. And he provides a ram. And the ram becomes the sacrifice. But the point was. That Abraham had this test of faith. That he had to go through. To see if he was actually believing God. And it was credited to him as righteousness for that. I think um, social, social services would probably have to have been involved in this situation. Um, Isaac definitely would have received counseling afterwards. Um, he would have needed that. This is, this is a traumatic story. Like, this doesn't really teach well in a kid's service. But God does this. Abraham, Abraham's faith is lived out. He takes this step, not knowing what God is doing. What is God up to in this one? This is weird. And yet, Abraham takes that step. I think he could have stayed home. I think he could have stayed home and said, yes, God, I have faith in you. Yes, I'm going to believe in you. Yes, I, I know that you're going to provide. And just kind of, yeah it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and done nothing. I don't think that's what God asked him to do, though. God asked him to take the step, as dramatic as it was. Rahab, on the other hand, uh, a less than popular person, um, she ended up believing that her city was going to be destroyed. And so she decided to trust in God. And the Israelite spies come to her and in the village, and this is what she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on all of us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt, and we've heard what you did to Shehan and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of this, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So this woman really believed that God was who he said he was. But she could have just gone, yeah, I totally believe that God is who he said. I heard of all his amazing wonders that he's done. And she could have just stayed there and gone, yeah, but you know, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put my neck on the line for you. Like, she was a traitor of her own people. She committed treason. She took in the spies. She protected them. She sent them off another way after the uh, after the, the people that were looking for them went over this way. She sent them off over this way. She she stuck her neck out significantly, and as a result, she was uh, saved when the, when, they, when their city was overtaken. She could have just had faith. She knew it. It says here she knew it very clearly. She knew that God is... God of heaven above and the earth below. But she didn't just believe. She took that step protecting the spies. So James is saying here, and it's pretty harsh, you don't just believe in God. That's not the point. You can have faith in God. You can believe that God is. So do the demons. Demons believe God exists as well. And they shudder. He's drilling home a point. You've got to do something about it. You've got to live out your faith. Practical steps abound here as to what we can do. Pack a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. Give an uncomfortable amount of money away. Use your holiday time to do a family missions trip. Call an estranged family member. Shovel your neighbor's driveway. Invite someone into your home for supper. Invite someone into your home to live with you. Adopt a child. Support a missionary. Quick pause. Karen Block, one of our longtime missionaries, does have a financial need. If you want more details on that one and how you could respond in that way, let me know. I want to give uh, those are just some ideas. For some of you, you have already this morning taken a massive step of faith by stepping into this room, and I want to give you credit for that. For some people, that's just a normal thing. I do it every Sunday. What's the big deal? For some of you, I'm sure that that's a massive step. That you just, you showed up. Well done. For some of you, you need another step. You've been doing that for a while. What's the next step? So, I don't suggest that people take the massive leap. So, I'm not suggesting that if, if last Sunday, let's say, was your first Sunday showing up in church, that next week you go over to Turkey to visit Hakan. And step in there, or you go into the jungles of Panama with Aner and, and reach there, or, like, that, those are pretty massive leaps. And if God's in it, hey, I'm not gonna stop you. But what I'm thinking is, what's your next step? So not just, not just, okay, I, I I've been here every Sunday and I'll just, I'll, my step of faith will be to come next Sunday. Okay. But what's that step just outside your comfort zone? What's that amount of money that's just outside of what you normally would give and feel comfortable with? Who's that person that you're like, uh, they're just outside my friendship group. Well, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. Take that step. Not that leap. Leaps are good too. But for most of us, it starts with that step. What's that step where I just need to... Ugh. Some people up here today... It's more of a leap. Uh, coming up here, speaking, bit, bit of a leap. Hey, Brent, you're going to do great. But it's become more of a step, right? You kinda, you're prepared for it a little more. It's still a leap. Who am I kidding? I had to ask myself this question this week. I can, I can list, list places where I've taken leaps or steps of faith in my life. But I had to go, okay, so like, how does this hit me this week? And that was actually kind of tough to come up with. Here I am preaching on, take your step of faith, take your step of faith. How have I done it? So I wrestled with this one, and, and this week I was in a couple of situations. One situation, what the normal response would have been to speak comfort to a person's life. And I sensed God saying to me, no, there needs to be some challenge on this one, and I was not comfortable. Uh, there was another situation this week where... I was going in and I was thinking a normal response here would be to challenge this person. And I really felt this strong sense of God to provide comfort. So two situations kind of reversed of what I felt like would be a normal response to, I think God's leading me over here. Now, I don't know if those went well or if that was what, but for me, that was actually a step of faith. I was like, I gotta go with the direction that I think God is leading me in with this person. I hope it worked out. You know, I like think for those of you who met me this week, don't worry, it's not, you know, well, I don't know, maybe it is you, I don't know who's all here. I won't say names. But we're, we're all asked to, to take that step. So, um, we have some people here this morning that are taking that step. That step is baptism. If you want more examples, if, if there isn't enough uh, inspiration that comes out today through these people's steps... Let me encourage you to join a small group, and if you're in a small group, to read through Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is the list of the heroes of the faith. There's amazing stories. Uh, Hebrews 11. People that conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, Weakness was turned into strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There's, there's amazing stories in Hebrews chapter eleven of people that have taken massive steps in their faith. That should that should encourage us, that should inspire us. We're now going to have people come up here and actually live that out by taking this, this step of baptism. So, baptism. The way we describe baptism is baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. So, what this means is that anyone can accept Jesus into their life. They can quietly believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, and they're restored in a relationship with God. But Jesus asks us actually to make that public. So, cognitively, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, whatever, you can go, yeah, okay, I believe in God. I believe in his son. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. Yeah, I believe that, that I'm restored in my relationship with God. And you can just stay in your bedroom to do that. It kind of just becomes like, yeah, okay, that's what it is. Jesus then asks you to take it from your bedroom, take it from the quiet of your own mind, and take a step forward, make it public. Maybe, maybe the, stu- the first step of that is just to tell your friend. Maybe the the step is to tell a family member. Maybe there's a few steps before actually getting up here that you can do. But eventually, Jesus does ask for it to be public. And it to be done through what we call baptism. So the way we do things here is we ask people to share their stories as part of the, the, the congregation. Uh, By no means do I want people to think that public speaking is a prerequisite for baptism. If you are a person that's been wanting to get baptized, but like standing up here just freaks you right out, we got options. Okay. We can do videos. We can do uh, just a written out testimonies. And if those aren't even comfortable enough for you, we'll get creative and we'll find other ways. Public speaking should not be a prerequisite for baptism. We want people to take that step and say, yes, I'm going to publicly follow Jesus, and we can definitely help you with that. For those who are brave enough to get up here, and some people just feel they're not even brave enough, they're just being called to do this, we ask them five questions. We ask them to respond to five questions. When did Jesus first get your attention? What are some of your faith markers? What is Jesus doing in your life today? What's a favorite scripture verse, and why do you want to get baptized? So that's how how we ask people to share their story, and that's what they're going to do. We don't ask people to bear their soul. They don't have to disclose some people are going to disclose pretty vulnerable things this morning, and we don't ask them that that's not what they have to do. But as a step of faith, they choose to do that. Uh, after you see these baptisms, Don'll explain this more, but there's going to be a time of, of response. And we'll have some water down here for you to remember for those of you who have been baptized to come in and dip your hands in the water. For those of you who haven't been baptized, also at the tables, there's some blue slips of paper, and if you want to be baptized, if you're just feeling like that's your next step, just a way to say, I think I should be baptized, write your name and contact information. We'll follow up with you personally and and help you with those, those next steps.